Alright, okay, okay, what is up everybody? It is LJ Talks Facts right here. Expensive Facts, like always, of course. Hope you guys are enjoying your Monday afternoon so far. I'm doing pretty good. This is my AEW Revolution review. And I gotta say, great pay-per-view last night. Really good. You know, we got three more pay-per-views left this year. We got Double or Nothing in May. All out in either late August or early September. And we have full gear in November. I don't know if anything's going to top Revolution just yet. I know it's a little bit too early to say. But this pay-per-view was great from start to finish. Like, it really was. A lot of action. It was very gory, too. It was a lot of blood. You know, a lot of violence. It was good. It was seriously a good pay-per-view, and I really enjoyed it. So we'll see how Double or Nothing is in two months on May 29th, you know. It's right around the corner when you think of it. It's not like a four-month... It's not like a four or five month layoff like we had from Full Gear to Revolution. But man, Revolution was really good last night. It was really good. Like, holy shit. And the crowd was hot all last night. The crowd was hot all last night, which was great to see. It was great to see the crowds be hot all last night. Just great to see, though. It really was. From start to finish, and I was thinking, like, okay, they're in the additional, they're, oh, not additional, the addition arena, wherever they call it out there in Orlando, and the crowd wasn't really that hot for Dynamite back in October, but this was different right here. The crowd was hot throughout the whole night, which is great to see from start to finish. It's great to see. So let's talk about the buy-in matches real quick. I did watch it. So legit Layla Hirsch versus Chris Statlander. Overall, I mean, I'm not going to really get into the buy-in matches that much. I'm just going to talk a little bit about them. Uh, let me actually, before I do that, let me actually uh, get my record for predictions last night. Let's see. 1-0, 2 0 3 0 4 0 5 0 6 0 7 0 7 and 1 7 and 2 8 and 2 9 and 2 so 10 and 2. I went 10 and 2 last night. Uh, my boy King MGJ came over to watch. We made predictions as well. I'm going to Look over his prediction. So I went 10-2 and two last night. Not bad. I was undefeated for full gear. Two losses, actually back-to-back. But it's all good, though. Just enjoy the pay-per-view. But the uh, buy-in right here, legitly, the Hurst beat Chris Statlander. It was a decent match. It was a decent match. I'm happy legitly, the Hurst got her first pay-per-view win in AEW. She did cheat. She grabbed a, what was it, a turnbuckle, a piece of a turnbuckle they had underneath the ring. And she hit Statlander with it and did a... A backflip from the top rope, pinned a one, two, three. A dirty way to win, but I'm happy she won, you know. It was nice to see her get a win on pay-per-view. I'm happy for her, though. Uh, Hook versus QT Marshall was Hook's first ever pay-per-view match. He did good. He did good in this match right here. He held his own. I'm sure he had to be... I'm sure he doesn't look nervous, but I'm sure deep down he had to be nervous. His first ever pay-per-view match right here. Like, okay, like they're really jumping the gun here for Hook. He only debuted three months ago, and now he's on pay-per-view. Of course, the buy it's not the regular show, but still, you get nervous right there. But he did good. He did good in this match. I thought he did fine. He did absolutely fine. He beat QT Marshall as he should right there. Good match. QT made him look good. QT had a good performance as well. Happy my guy Hook won, wearing a shirt right now. I forgot to mention, before that match right there, uh, Tony Schiavone was in the ring. And he said Kenny Omega was coming out. I was like, whoa. 
and Kenny Omega's theme song hits, but it was Don Callis. Oh man, the whole crowd was going nuts thinking Kenny returned. I'm thinking like, would he return on the buy-in? You know, that doesn't really make much sense. If he's gonna return, he's gonna return either on, you know, the main card or he'll return on Dynamite whenever. But Don Callis came out and blamed the fans for Kenny Omega being hurt because fans kept begging for more five-star matches and blah, blah, blah. You know, and Don Callis did say, you know, that Adam Cole was going to win the world title so he could be a transitional champion when Kenny Omega comes back. So there's definitely going to be a little bit of tension there, of course. Maybe we'll see Don Callis and Adam Cole go face-to-face on Dynamite this Wednesday. Could see it. But I think Kenny's around the corner from coming back now because they teased it. So I think he's around the corner. Maybe we'll see him at St. Patrick's Day Slam. That'd be a good return. That'd be a good return right there. A good date to return. So we'll see when he does. But like I, think, I think he's right around the corner. And the last match here on the buy-in was the House of Black, Malachi Black, Brody King, and Buddy Matthews versus Penta Oscuro, Pack, and Eric Redbeard. Definitely the best match on the buy-in. Really good match. And we had the right winners in this match. The House of Black wound up getting the win. The right decision. Because, I mean, well, now you just got Buddy Matthews. So it wouldn't make him look weak if they would have lost. I'm just saying. You know, I thought maybe Eric Redbeard was going to turn in this match. Maybe like, you know, pull a whole swerve on Penta and Pack, But no, he stayed true to them right there. Good match. Best one on the buy-in right there. Buddy Matthews had a nice performance. He did good. I think Brody King, I would say, was the MVP in this match. He did really good. I, li- I like his uh, I like his style. I think he could be a really big star in AEW. I think he can. Could be a future world champion. He talks great. He looks great. He wrestles great. You know, but overall, overall was good. But now we get to the main show right here. The first match of the night. Chris Jericho versus Eddie Kingston. This is some way to kick off the show right here. I'm like, okay, I, mean, I didn't expect this match to kick off. And overall right here, the crowd was hot for this whole match. Like, they were going nuts. And it's great to see Jericho in much better shape now, thank God. Because they did say he had a health scare. Over in the UK, when he went back on tour back in, what was it, late November, early December, he was in the hospital, I think, for like a couple of days, and he had a health scare. I and mean, even at that time, yeah, Jericho was overweight. He was, he's been overweight for the last couple of years, but recently he's gotten in much better shape, which is great to see. It's like, okay, thank God. Like, oh my goodness. Getting tired of seeing that gut every time he's wrestling. But he looks a lot better. And him and Kingston put on a good match, a great match to start off uh, Revolution. And the right guy won. The right guy won this match. These two are going back and forth, beating the shit out of each other. Suplex after suplex after suplex. Like, Kingston started off the match with a suplex on Jericho. It looked like Jericho was rocked. It looked like he was rocked by that suplex. But they were beating the hell out of each other in this match. And Jericho's chest was beating red. They were chopping the shit out of each other. And Jericho even did a lion soul per Well, not really perfectly, you know. He got a little bit of Eddie. It wasn't perfectly. Better than what he did last year to who was on uh, was on uh, Sammy last year, whoever he did it on, when the whole inner circle was, when they did uh, the three-way match or whatever the fuck they did there. Um, but no, it was a nice um, line saw right there. And overall, it was a great, it was a great match. Absolutely was. You know, I thought after Jericho hit the second code breaker on Kingston, I thought that was going to be it. 
I'm like, oh, that's probably going to be it right here. And But then, you know, it changed right there because then Jericho was taking too long to go for the Judas effect. You know, of course, he was monologuing right there. Oh, you'll never win the big one, Eddie. He was going for the Judas effect, and then Kingston chopped him twice. And he put him in a really nasty submission hole. He was, like, contorting his body left and right. I'm thinking, there's no way Jericho's going to tap out. But he did. Chris Jericho taps out, and Eddie Kingston finally wins on pay-per-view. Even Eddie was surprised. He asked Aubrey Edwards, like, two or three times, I won? Like, he couldn't believe it. And the whole crowd popped for him right there. Like, I'm sure if Jericho would have won, he would have got booed. He would have definitely got booed. And Jericho really hasn't been booed as much in AEW. He would have gotten some big, big heat for beating Kingston if that would have happened. But no, the right guy won. I absolutely said it. Kingston needs to win this match. It doesn't benefit Jericho. It benefits Kingston because he needs to win on pay-per-view. And Kingston beat the big one. Jericho has said himself, I'm the big one in AEW. But Jericho did not stay true to his word because he did say to Kingston not once, but two times right here, back-to-back weeks on Dynamite. He said, if you beat me, I will shake your hand and you have my respect. So as Eddie's uh, theme song was playing after he won, you know, he told him, cut the music, cut the music. When he grabbed the mic, he was doing the gesture to cut the music. And he put his hand out. He said, I respect you, Jericho. Shake my hand. So Kingston was ready to shake his hand right there. Kingston showed respect. Jericho was about to shake his hand, and then he left the ring. He said, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm like, really? So, I mean, I guess maybe Jericho might be turning heel again. That could be happening. You know, maybe just Jericho just doesn't have respect for Kingston. Or maybe he'll wise up on Dynamite and say, you know what? I was wrong. I should have, you know, upstaged you on pay-per-view after you beat me. And then maybe he'll turn heel then. I mean, I don't know. I think Jericho is going back on he is going to go back on tour soon so we'll probably see him and Eddie go at it one more time we probably will but Jericho didn't stay true to his word didn't stay true to his word right there he said if you beat me you'll have my respect and I will shake your hand Eddie was ready Jericho said nope and he walked away and you know Eddie was basically shaking off saying okay you know what whatever he got the win that's all that matters Definitely, I would say, the biggest win in his AEW career. Finally a win on pay-per-view. It's about damn time. And we'll see where this goes from here right here. I'm sure this is not over just yet. I think we're going to see a rematch at St. Patrick's Day Slam. That's that's my prediction. I think we're going to see that. But we'll see. We'll definitely see, though. Big win for Eddie, though. But now we get to the next match for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. A three-way match. Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus defending their AEW World Tag Team titles against Bobby Fish and Kyle Riley of Red Dragon and Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks. So finally, the Young Bucks are getting their rematch for the Tag Team titles after losing it back at All Out in September. And Red Dragon, their first World Tag Team title shots. And overall, this was an amazing tag team match. The one problem I have, though, it's a three-way match. So, and they, they did this in WWE so many years, and they still do, I believe, to this day. When it's a three-way or a fatal four-way match, how come each member of the team isn't in the match? Like, why can why, why are the Young Bucks, why are the Young Bucks able to tag in when Red Dragon's in the match? Like, say, if it's Kyle O'Reilly versus Jungle Boy right here, 
How come Matt and Nick Jackson's allowed to tag either Jungle Boy or Kyle Riley? Why, why isn't Matt or Nick in the match? See what I'm trying to say? Like, you got to make it make sense right here. It's a triple threat match. It just doesn't really make that much sense. I mean, overall, it was an amazing tag team match. They made it work. But I think Future right here, just do that. The only other time I think I remember where each member of a team was in a multi-man tag team match was back at SummerSlam. It was a fatal four-way tag team match for the World Tag Team titles back in 2015. I believe it was prim the primetime players who were the tag team champions at the time. Versus the New Day, who wound up winning. Uh, who were the other two in the match? I think the Lucha Dragons were in the match. And I don't know who the other tag team was. Could have been Los Matadores could have been in the match. I'm not too sure. I could be wrong on that one, on the last uh, tag team right there. But, um, yeah, I mean, make it make sense at least. But there were some pretty cool spots in this match right here. And it actually is nice to see Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus actually do better against the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks have been kicking their ass since day one in AEW. It feels good to see it go the other way around. And Red Dragon did good their first time wrestling here on pay-per-view in AEW. They did fine. They did pretty good right here. And to be honest, I wouldn't mind if Red Dragon would have won. I kind of wouldn't mind if the Young Bucks would have won because they were just tag team champions. You know what I mean? Like, they were just tag team champions. So, they'll win it back in the future. Just not now. Red Dragon, I really wouldn't have, you know, minded. You know, but then I thought to myself, are you really going to have Jurassic Express lose two months in? I mean, they did the same thing to FTR. With, with FTR, they could have waited a little bit, to be honest. Just in my opinion right there, but whatever. Um, no, but overall, overall, really amazing tag team match right here. A lot of great spots. Luchasaurus looked really good in this match. I know a lot of people, including myself, really don't, you know, like Luchasaurus that much because he has been a botch machine. That's the honest thing. He has been a botch machine. I'm going to be completely honest. You know, he's had some bad botches here in AEW. When he wrestled Brandon Cutler on uh, Dark or Dark Elevation back at Daly's Place. I don't know what month it was. But I do know it was Dark Elevation back in March against Cesar Bononi. And they had a botch. You know, he also had another botch where his mask came off on Dynamite one match. I think it was like a multi-man tag team match. Um, I mean, also he broke Ray Phoenix's arm. I mean, yeah, he didn't mean to do it. Just the way that Ray Phoenix landed right there. It's just... That spot really didn't need to happen. They could have done it maybe a little bit better, to be honest. Maybe Luchasaurus would have taken the bump. Well, then Lucha Bros would have won. They were supposed to win that match. But, um, yeah, it's just he has been a Bosch machine. He has been better recently, I will say. You know, because he, he is a good big man. He is athletic. He is very athletic for a big man. He's like 6'7 or 6'8. Things that he does, it is pretty cool. You know, because you never really see a big man do that. The things that he does. So he has gotten better recently, which is good to see. Hopefully we get to see that continue right here. Because I wouldn't mind seeing Luchasaurus getting the singles run in the future. Not like at the like the world title, the TNT title. Like, you know, just like a singles run. Let's see what he could do as a big man in singles competition. You know what I mean? Like, if he can hold his own right here and he can, you know, not be a botch machine. Maybe give him the TNT title in the future. Maybe. Maybe do something with him right there. I don't know. That's all I'm trying to say. But I really did love the spot right here where Nick Jackson did a fucking Canadian Destroyer. It looked like Luke Star was going to choke them back into the ring. And Nick Jackson said, nope, Destroyer time. <laughs> no, but I mean, this match was really good. A lot of energy in this match from the crowd and the 
competitors in the ring. Jungle Boy was fucking awesome. He's getting bulky, like JR said. Like he's getting he's getting a lot more bulky. Jungle Boy was great to see. You know, he's putting some muscle weight on, which is good to see out of him. And I mean the day Jungle Boy becomes world champion, oh my god, it's gonna be crazy. He's gonna get an amazing pop. And this kid is gonna be world champion. Especially since, you know, he's been able to talk a lot better more too. Because when he started off, he really couldn't talk. He was talking too low. Like you couldn't hear him. But now he's got some more bass in his voice. You actually can believe in him. I think where I really started to believe in Jungle Boy was definitely when he wrestled Kenny Omega back in June for the world title. Because he held his own. He held his own against Kenny Omega right here. You know, he was wrestled all over the world. He's had a lot of five-star matches. He held his own. He absolutely held his own. I thought he was going to win. Because there was rumors, of course, of Kenny being hurt. I'm thinking, oh, maybe he's going to drop the belt. Maybe Jungle Boy's going to have his moment. But no. <laughs> no. Kenny's like, I'm going to hold on to the title now until November. Oh, my gosh. And we know, we know Kenny's definitely going to come back and get his rematch, you know, sooner than later. You know, it could be a double or nothing. Who knows? Or maybe, or, I mean, who really knows, to be honest? We really don't know. But again, overall, really good tag team match. Really enjoyed this match right here. You know, I love the tension between Red Dragon and the Unbucks. They were helping each other at the beginning of the match. But towards the end, they basically were like, okay, you know what? It's every man for themselves. We got to fight. And they were beating the hell out of each other. It was great to see. It's definitely going to create more tension between them and Adam Cole on the next upcoming Dynamite. But um, no, I mean, that was great to see. That was great to see right there. You're like, you know, it's every man for themselves. It's not a handicap match. It's every man for themselves. You got to fight. It was actually good to see him put, like, you know, the BS away and say, you know what, fuck it, we're going to fight here. And they did great. They absolutely did great. And towards the end right here, Matt Jackson tried to cheat. I don't know if he had the cold spray in his hand. I think Jungle Boy kicked it away. And Luchasaurus kicked him. And then they hit the Jurassic Express finisher. One, two, three. Jurassic Express retains the World Tag Team titles. So their reign ain't over yet. It ain't over yet. Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus are still the World Tag Team Champions. Definitely their best match as World Tag Team Champions. Maybe their best match as a tag team, I would have to say. It was great. Great tag team match. Happy they retained. You know, and I do want to mention one thing. I know it's been noticeable for a lot of months now. It is great that Marco Stun isn't with them anymore, you know. And I'm not trying to say, like, Marco Stun was holding them back. Because, you know, I mean, he, he wasn't. I'm just trying to say, like, he didn't fit. You know, especially when he would wrestle. It's like... He's not even, like, a little man who's strong at all. He's just little. Like, you could legit just kick him in the face and be down. He's not like he has, like, strength on him, like, muscle. He doesn't have that. It's just, it was ridiculous watching him in the ring. You know, he could have been more of, like, an annoying manager, which he really should have been, instead of being in the ring, just in my opinion. But, um, yeah, just thank God he's hasn't been around in AEW recently. I don't know if his contract expire or if it's going to expire soon just let let him walk away don't come back you know just go wrestle El Torito somewhere I, I I don't know go draw something there not here in AEW go just fuck off seriously all I'm gonna, that's all I'm going to say I'm not trying to be a hater I'm just like just no just no thank you thank God Christian Cage is with them it actually makes them more like you know believable in a way that's all I'm trying to say right there but now we get to the face of the Revolution ladder match. So we have Limitless Keith Lee, Mr. Mayhem Wardlow, Powerhouse Hobbs, the FTW World Champion, Ricky Starks, Freshly Squeezed, 
Orange, Cassidy, and Christian Cage. And overall, this was a pretty good ladder match. It was definitely good right here. You know, I think we all knew who was going to, you know, win this match right here. I'm not trying to make it sound completely obvious, but it was obviously the right choice. It was obviously the right choice. Like I said, I wouldn't mind anybody else in this match except Orange Cassidy. Like, if Orange Cassidy would have won this match, yeah, I would have minded. Been like, seriously? Come on, there are so many other better choices. Orange Cassidy would be my last choice. Easily my last choice. And, of course, whoever wins the Face Revolution ladder match gets a TNT title match at St. Patrick's Day Slam, where the winner will face either Sammy Guevara or Scorpio Sky, because they're going to be facing off on Dynamite for the TNT Championship. Look, definitely looking forward to seeing that. And, like I said, it's kind of ironic that Scorpio Sky is getting a back, he's getting like back-to-back TNT title matches after Revolution, because he faced Darby Allen for the TNT title last year at the Revolution, and Darby won. That's when Scorpio Sky turned heel. So maybe Scorpio Sky loses and maybe turns babyface and gets away from Ethan Page and Dan Lambert. Could happen. Who knows, though. But overall, good ladder match. Definitely a good ladder match. Much better than last year's. Much better than last year's. I really didn't enjoy last year's Face Revolution ladder match that much. There was a lot of botches in that match. There really was. I thought it was going to be great. For the people that were in it, I thought it was going to be a great match. But ugh, it was terrible. It really was. I was happy Scorpio Sky won. He deserved it. He absolutely deserved to win. It was a terrible match. It really was. But, you know, last night's Face Revolution Face Revolution ladder match, much better. Much better. A million times better. A million times better. And there were some pretty cool spots in this match. What I really did hate, though, we really didn't get to see the three big men go at it as much. You know, Keith Lee, Power Tobbs, and Wardlow. Orange Cassidy got in the ring. He was doing his bullshit kicks on them. Like, okay, come on. I mean, yeah, okay, it's entertaining. Yeah, get the nice crowd reaction. But in reality, all three of them should have beat the shit out of him. They should have. I mean, why, why are they playing games with him right there? Why, or are they, why are they letting him play games with them? They should just grab them and just say, get the fuck out of the ring. Here you go. Throw them into the crowd. <laughs> Merry Christmas. Early Merry Christmas for you. Here's a gift. Here's an Orange Cassidy. Have fun. Just like goes like seriously? Come on. Do better next time with that. That's all I'm trying to say there. But when these three big men did go at it, oh, it was good. It was good. And it really is amazing to see how over Wardlow is. When he debuted in 2019, I don't think a majority of people knew who he was. I mean, I didn't know who he was either. I didn't know he wrestled the independent scene. I didn't know who he was at all. I thought maybe he was like some trainee in AEW or something, like, you know, kind of like a homegrown guy that's, you know, training maybe with, like, the uh, the Nightmare Factor, basically. We've never seen him. But, no, he wrestled the independent scene. He was pretty good in the independent scene. He's great here in AEW. He's great here in AEW. Um, it was nice to see Ricky Starks do good in this match, too. He had a really cool spot where they had the ladder in one of the corners. And he went through the ladder and speared Christian Cage. I was like, whoa. I was like, holy shit. Like, seeing that out of Ricky, I was like, damn. Man, that was perfect. That's, like, precision right there. But definitely one of my favorite parts of the match right here is when fucking Keith Lee, like, grabbed Orange Cassidy and just threw him on fucking Ricky Starks and Christian Cage to just get the hell out of the ring. Kind of like when Uncle Phil would throw Jazz out of the house, basically. I was like, Jesus. But I will admit, the Orange Cassidy was a bit creative in this match. Like, when, um... 
I believe it was Keith Lee that had the ladder. He was holding up an orange cast. He was on top of his shoulders, and he he contorted himself to go on top of the ladder and almost grab the brass ring. You know, I will give him that. That was pretty creative. I'll give him credit on that one. See, I give people credit right there, even though I'm not a, a huge fan of Cassie anymore. You know, I give him a lot of credit on that one. That was cool. But then we did see uh, the three big men start to go at it again. It looked like Powerhouse Hobbs and Wardlow were going to work together. They grabbed one of the ladders on the stage, and they were actually ripped it apart. They had both sides. And Powerhouse Hobbs was like, yeah, yeah, let's go work together. And from behind, just taking knocks out Wardlow with the ladder. Let's knock him out. He hits him with the ladder. And then he goes after Keith Lee, and then he hits Wardlow again, and Wardlow disappears. And then by the commentary's table, uh, Powerhouse Hobbs and Keith Lee, they're going at it. They're trying to choke each other out, and then Wardlow out of nowhere. Just runs into them and knocks them both off the stage. Even Taz didn't know what to say. He was in shock. They're out of the mix. We don't see Powerhouse Hobbs or Keith Lee or even Orange Cassidy in this match anymore. Uh, as Ricky Starks about to go on the top of the ladder, we saw Dan Housen come out. He came out from underneath the ring and he cursed Ricky Starks. And then he just walked away. And then Christian Cage got powerbombed by Wardlow and then as Ricky Starks climbed the ladder, like there was another ladder set up like right like to like his left right there. And Wardlow just jumps on the ladder from the corner and jumps right onto Ricky Starks and then he power bombs him onto that ladder and he grabs the brass ring. And Wardlow wins the face of the revolution ladder match, and he will get a TNT title shot at St. Patrick's Day Slam against either Sammy Guevara or Scorpio Sky. Good ladder match. Way better than last year's. Way fucking better. Easily. Easily better. I'm happy Wardlow won, and we'll see what happens in two weeks. Or, not two weeks, next week we'll see what happens. But of course we'll all see what happens on Dynamite between Sammy and Scorpio. Because, there, I mean, there is a chance Scorpio could win. He could win the belt. He absolutely deserves to win. Absolutely. Especially since he's been undefeated for 300... You know, at that time, he'll be undefeated for 364 days once we hit um, Wednesday. So, we'll, see, we'll, we'll definitely see what happens. We'll definitely see what happens. They could go to a draw to save Scorpio Sky's you know, streak. They could go into a draw. I wouldn't mind that. It makes sense. You keep the streak alive. Benefits both. It definitely could. But now we have a signing right here. So Tony Schiavone was on top of the stage, you know, talking about the ladder match. And he announced that AEW has made a signing. And that signing is Shane Swerve Strickland. So for those who don't know who uh, Swerve is, he wrestled back in NXT, I believe. If I'm not mistaken, was he the North American champion for a while? Let me actually. Uh, take a look real quick. He is a pretty good talent. He is a pretty good talent. I've seen some of his stuff. He's a pretty damn good wrestler. Yeah, he was the North American champion one time. You know, he has won 13 different titles in, a, a, I think it was like 11 promotions. So he was North American champion one time in WWE. He was Major League uh, World Heavyweight Champion one time. He also was CZW World Champion one time. This guy's good. He really is. And he cut a pretty short promo, you know, saying, you know, all the titles he's going to take in AEW. So you have to think, though, because he was the leader of a hit row back in NXT. 
And everybody else that was in Hit Row is no longer in WWE, just like Swerve is. So maybe do we see the other members of Hit Row come into AEW pretty soon? It could happen. It definitely could happen. We'll see what happens, though. But I'm happy for Swerve. Definitely a really good sign for AEW. A lot of dream matches. A lot of dream matches are coming up, though. And hopefully we'll get to see him wrestle on a Dynamite or Rampage coming up. On the, you know, after Revolution, makes sense. Let's see what he can do here in AEW. And I think he's going to be great. Definitely a really good signing for AEW right there. But now we get to the TBS Women's Championship match between Jade Cargill, the TBS Women's Champion, defending her TBS Women's Championship against Ty Conti. And I will admit, though, this was definitely a huge rebound for Ty Conti because she had the match with Dr. Britt Baker for the AEW Women's World title. Back at full gear, and that match was eh. That was eh. This match was better. It was a shorter match, but it was much better. You know, and Jade Cargo had a live performance right there for her entrance. She looked like a Mortal Kombat character. She is really good. She is seriously good. She started off the match by kissing Ty Conti, not on the head, on her lips. I was like, whoa. The whole crowd was like, excuse me. Like, Jesus Christ. But no, they had a decent match right here. You know, Cargill, Ty Conti. I mean, it, was, it was obvious. Jay Cargill's not losing yet. Like, if anybody even thought that Ty Conti was going to win, that's fine to believe in Ty Conti, but she wasn't beating Jade. Jade's not losing this belt for a while. I wouldn't be surprised if Jade is still champion going into next year. And she very much could be. She very much could be 100-0 and still be champion right here. She, or she might, she might be champion... Going to 100 and 0. What's the better way to say? Like, I know I'm, I'm botching right there. Um, and she could be champion. She could really be champion for a very long time, is the best way to say it. Like, we could very much see her go 100 and 0 as TBS Women's Champion. Could you imagine that? That's a long way ahead right there. We're about uh, 71 wins away from that happening. That's a long time. It could happen, though. It definitely could happen. But no, she is, like I said, she's improved so much here in the ring and Ty Conti as well. And like I always mentioned, she started off kind of slow, like she wrestled pretty slow, but her, you know, her speed's up there a little bit now. Especially in this match right here, she did pretty good. And you know, she held her own against Jade, staying there for Jade against Ty. They both held their own in this match. And it was enjoyable. Definitely enjoyable. Smart Mark Sterling got taken out by Ty Conti. Jade Cargill took out Anna Jay. Then Anna Jay took out Jade Cargill for a split second. And Aubrey Edwards didn't see it. And towards the end of this match right here, Jade Cargill picked up Ty Conti, hit her with Jade. I actually liked her. Before she hit Jade, she did some pretty, tool, she did some pretty uh, two cool moves. She did a frog splash for the very first time. Hit it perfectly. I was like, that was nice. She also did her signature move. What's it called? The Eye of the Storm. That was a pretty cool move as well. But then she hit Ty with Jaded, 1-2-3, and Jade Cargill is now 29-0 in AEW, and she is still the TBS Women's Champion. Again, I really don't know who's going to beat Jade Cargill. I still believe that it should be Serena Deeb. Like, I believe that it should be. I don't know if it will be, though, is a big question. Like, that's who I would have beat Jade in the future. But I don't know if she's going to be the one to do it. You know what I mean? Like, that's how I would do it. I don't know if that's how AEW is going to do it. And in my opinion, I don't think they will. But that's just what I would do. That's all I'm saying. But overall, decent match right here. Definitely a decent match. 
definitely a decent match. I will admit that. And I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed Happy Jade retain, which is great. But now we get to my favorite match of the night. The dog collar match. And it definitely was a long match right here. But I loved it. Just the storytelling. And in my opinion, I thought it was match of the night. I think a lot of people would say, oh, Mox versus Danielson. Or Hangman versus Adam Cole. That, that, that's fair. That's absolutely fair right there. I enjoy those matches as well. But I feel like this match was definitely the match of the night due to the story. You know, it's been the best feud in AEW so far. In AEW short history right here. They've been feuding since November. And this goes back to so many years ago when MJF met CM Punk. And he was getting bullied in school. And then CM Punk left wrestling. And MJF felt betrayed. Like, oh, my hero left me when I needed him the most. And MJF was, you know, going to be the best in the world in spite of CM Punk. But these two beat the shit out of each other. And the funny thing is right here, like, MJF did troll us before the match because CM Punk's theme song was playing, you know, the cult of personality was playing. And right before you hear the cult of person, and then MJF's theme song starts playing. So he trolled everybody. He comes out. And then CM Punk made his entrance, but it wasn't the cult of personality. No Mussolini. No Mussolini. It was his Ring of Honor theme song. And people were shocked on Twitter. They're like, oh, how, how did Tony Khan get the rights? He owns Ring of Honor now. He has all the rights right there. He has all the rights to people that used to wrestle in Ring of Honor. He has the rights to their theme songs that they used to have. <laughs> Seriously? So that was pretty cool to see that right there. It's pretty cool to hear CM Punk's Ring of Honor theme song. His old Ring of Honor gear. And when these two got it on, it was like magic. And of course, my boy KMGJ, he was happy. He was wearing a CM Punk shirt. He's a big CM Punk fan. He was happy. I was more or less like, eh. Do I feel like the right guy won? I mean, I'm still going to say no. Just in my honest opinion. And I don't think this is going to hurt MJF at all. In my honest opinion, I don't think it will. Um... I do feel like he should have won this match. That's my honest opinion. But again, these two beat the hell out of each other. When CM Punk was busted wide open in this match, just like he was back on Dynamite. You know, MJF opened up the wound right there. He was hitting him with the chain. And then MJF was, he went out to the, he went out to the, the time uh, keeper's table right there and said, give me a fucking mic. Like he actually said that. And the whole crowd was like, holy shit. And then MJF, he got the mic, got the fucking mic right there. And said, come on, old timer. Admit to these fans you don't care about them and you're going to quit. It's like you quit on me. Say it. And then CM Punk says, eat shit, Max. And these two were just beating the hell out of each other. It was, it was kind of slow-paced at times. At most points this match. But it was like, it was definitely a lot of storytelling in this match. It absolutely was. A lot of great storytelling in this match. That's why I call it match of the night, because the storytelling right here, just the whole story that these two have had since November, it's been great. Especially now you got this match right here, like MJF kind of gets his comeuppance in a way, you know, for, for how he cheated against CM Punk back in Chicago. You know, so it's like MJF, it's like CM Punk's way of teaching MJF a lesson. It absolutely is. And MJF was definitely taught a lesson. The funniest part in this match right when MJF went, ah, shit. Uh, that was pretty funny. MJF was pretty funny in this match, the way he was talking. I was like, oh my gosh. 
I fucking laugh at that. Even my boy KMGJ, who hates MJF, hates him to the core. He even laughed at it. Yeah, he knows MJF is good. He just... He doesn't like him. You know what? It's fair. He doesn't have to like him. But I know he was. I know he does respect him, though. Deep down, I know he does. Come on. You gotta respect his work. You know, he definitely gotta. Definitely gotta. Um, but, yeah. Again, overall, like I said, definitely my favorite match of the night right here. It definitely picked up towards the end. When MJF got the, uh, the thumbtacks underneath the ring, had him in the little black bag. He dumped them all down. And it looked like CM Punk was going to go for the Pepsi plunge from the top rope. And hit MJF. I'm like, that's way too far. There's no way he's going to hit that on the thumbtacks. That's, that's not going to happen. There's no way that happens. And MJF was able to counter it. He hit CM Punk with a suplex onto the tacks. Not all of them. Not all of them. You know, he got a little bit more in his ass right there, CM Punk. And some of his back. And MJF was crawling, and they were in his knees, crawling on the thumbtacks to go cover CM Punk, and then CM Punk kicks out. And then MJF's collar got broken. There was also another good spot when CM Punk did a tombstone pile driver on the ring apron. And the collar broke off right there, MJF, and then MJF is screaming for Wardlow. He's like, Wardlow, Wardlow, like he's screaming for him. He's screaming for Wardlow. And Wardlow comes out. And MJF wants the ring, but Wardlow can't find it. Wardlow couldn't find it. And MJF's like, you had one job. And then CM Punk, out of nowhere, GTS on MJF. And MJF falls right into the rest of the thumbtacks. Perfectly. And then Wardlow goes into his right pocket, and he finds the ring. And he's like, oops. And he leaves the ring there for CM Punk. And the whole crowd is going crazy. Crowd is absolutely going crazy. And CM Punk grabs the ring. MJF then spits in CM Punk's face. And CM Punk, boom, knocks him out the ring. One, two, three. CM Punk gets the win. He's still undefeated on pay-per-view. So he gets the win over MJF. In my honest opinion, I do feel like MJF should have won. But it looks like they are pulling the trigger with MJF and Wardlow. Where Wardlow is going to maybe officially leave MJF now. I mean, when you think of it, Wardlow did betray MJF, but he kind of didn't. Kind of like betraying him would have been like powerbombing him in the middle of the ring. And then giving CM Punk the ring. He just left it there. He really didn't necessarily leave it for CM Punk. He's like, okay, now the ring's here. If you get up, you can grab it. So maybe Warlow's saying, like, don't fuck with me now. Maybe MJF will give... Not CM Punk. Maybe he'll give Warlow a little bit of, you know, respect. But I don't think that's going to happen. But overall, my favorite match of the night right here. I enjoyed it from start to finish. I know it was slow pace at times. But it was damn good storytelling, and I fucking loved it. I still feel like, you know, MJF should have won. But we'll see what happens now between him and Ward, though. That is the bigger picture now. That is definitely the bigger picture going forward. But now we get to the next match. We have four matches left. For the AEW Women's World Championship, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, defending her AEW Women's World Championship against Thunder Rosa. And overall... 
decent match right here. A little bit disappointed with the finish. I'm a little bit disappointed with the finish right here. Overall, it was a decent match. It started to pick up like mid-match right here. It was kind of like slow pace starting off. You know, Rebel and Jamie Hayter, they were ganging up on Thunder Rosa, beating the shit out of her. And, of course, Britt's distracting the uh, referee. I think Paul Turner was referee in this match. Referee back-to-back matches. So he was getting distracted right there by Britt. Jamie and Rebel beating the shit out of Thunder Rosa. Where he wasn't looking, wasn't able to see it. Um, The only reason I'm going to say I was disappointed by the finish. Because, you know, Thunder Rosa really should have won this match. She really should have. Especially on pay-per-view right here. This could have been nice to see her win. But there is a bigger picture in a way. I will mention that towards the end right here of this episode. There is a bigger picture with Thunder Rosa eventually becoming women's champion. But I'm not going to take it away. I'm not going to take away the finish from how this match was. It was a decent match. Like I said, it picked up mid-match right here. It did some pretty cool spots, especially one from the top rope. Where I believe it was Britt. She kind of did like almost kind of like a version of a dead eye in a way on Thunder Rosa, which is pretty cool to see. I was like, wow. Like, Okay. But Rebel was being fucking annoying in this match. She got involved so many times, like three times she got involved. Especially like um, when Thunder Rosa had hit a tombstone on Bridge, she was pinning her one, two, three, but Paul Turner can't see because Rebel's distracting him. Thunder Rosa punches her in the face and then they call for the doctor and then Paul Turner gets distracted and Britt Baker's telling Jamie Hayter to go get the belt. And by the way, it was a new... AEW Women's Championship belt. Much better than the, than the last one. The last one was way too small. At least this one's a little bit bigger right here. I like the design on it. It's a lot better than the last one. Much better. Definitely a top-notch job. And then Britt Baker's going to go for the uh, the curb stomp on the on the belt. And she winds up doing the curb stomp on the belt. The Thunder Rosa. One, two, kick out. And the crowd's going nuts. Okay, maybe Thunder Rosa's going to win this match. And then Rebel again is distracting Paul Turner and fucking Thunder Rosa just leaps at her. Fucking spears her right through the ropes right there. And I'm like, God damn. And even before that though, Thunder Rosa was going for her own version of the lock draw, but she really couldn't do it because Britt was just biting her. She doesn't have any gloves, so it wasn't going to work in the first place. But then outside the ring, she took out Rebel, she took out Jamie Hayter, gets back in the ring, gets hit with a curb stomp. One, two, three... Dr. Britt Baker retains the AEW Women's World Championship. Definitely disappointed by the finish, in my honest opinion right here. I mean, you could say, okay, well, Dr. Britt Baker's gotten redemption on Thunder Rosa. So I think now in matches right here, I think they're 2-2 two and two against each other. Because in the first match they had, which is at Beach Break, Britt Baker won. Then they had the match at St. Patrick's Day Slam last year, and Thunder Rosa won. And then Thunder Rosa pinned Britt Baker back on uh, Dynamite in the tag team match. So now they're 2-2 two two against each other because Britt wound up pinning her last night. So now they are 2-2. Two two. They are 2-2 two two against each other when, when you uh, think of it. So we'll definitely talk about what's going to happen at St. Patrick's Day Slam towards the end right here. Like I said, decent match. Finish could have been a, a lot better in my honest opinion. Hopefully the next time these two go out, we won't see... That much interference, you know, that's all I'm trying to say. There was way too much interference in this match. It kind of makes Britt look weak. You know, and just in my honest opinion. But now we do get to one of my other favorite matches of this night right here. John Moxley versus Brian Danielson. 
And oh man, did these two beat the shit out of each other as well. You know, because there's a lot of, you know, um, a lot of tension, of course. Definitely a lot of tension. You know, because Brian Danielson wants to team up with John Moxley, but John Moxley said, nope, we got to bleed with each other first before we can team. And at the end of this match, you kind of get the impression these two might actually team up. They just might. They just might. But they beat the hell out of each other. Oh my god, it felt like it felt like watching a Ring of Honor match or a match on their independent scene when they would go at it. They beat the hell out of each other. Danielson with the kicks and Moxley chopping them. And of course Danielson's fucking chest beating red. Moxley's getting the shit literally kicked out of him. Like, oh my god, these two really were going at each other, just beating the hell out of each other. And even Moxley got busted wide open. They were beating up each other outside the ring. I think Danielson clocked him right in the head, and all blood was coming out of Moxley's head. And Danielson was bleeding from the mouth. So they bled with each other. So Danielson was bleeding too. And more of it was Moxley, though. But Danielson was also bleeding. But oh my goodness. And this definitely was a violent match. This was violent. They were really beating the hell out of each other. And of course, the fucking whole ring right there is filled with blood, just like from the CM Punk MJF match. Now you gotta fucking change the ring again. You gotta get a new mat. Like, oh my goodness, I'm sure the ring workers had to be like, oh my god, you guys are bleeding again now? We gotta change it. Oh my god, that would be annoying though. I feel like a ring worker right there and you gotta fix the mat, that would pretty much be annoying. But no, and, and to be honest, I thought Danielson had this match in the bag. I seriously thought he did when Mox was just bleeding like crazy. I thought, okay, maybe Danielson will win this match. But I did say, you know, Moxie needs to win this match, to be honest. You know, everything he's overcome right here. He's back. He's in better shape than ever right now. He's had a nice comeback story. If he loses to Danielson, eh, it's not that great. But, um... No, and Moxie just kept on fighting. He kept on fighting till the very end. Like, you know, Danielson was going to kick his head in. Then Moxie countered and started kicking his head in. And they kept beating the hell out of each other. And I thought Danielson had him right here. When he hit Moxie with a running knee, I thought that was it. I was like, oh, that's it. But Moxie kicked out. Moxie kicked out. I'm like, oh, okay. And then Danielson had him in the triangle. and think, okay, maybe he's going to fall asleep now. But Moxie got out of it. He put him like in like a roll-up type of pin. And Moxie got him. He got him one, two, three. I thought, I, thought, I thought Danielson got him. But no, Moxie got him in a pin right there. I think the crowd was surprised at first. But then once they started hearing Moxie's theme song playing, they're like, oh my god, Moxie actually won. And I was surprised too. I was happy for him. I was like, oh wow, he actually got him. He actually got him. And Danielson was pissed. He was going after the referee Bryce Rensburg. He was poking at him, and then Bryce was poking back at him right there. They were going at each other. They were in each other's faces. I was surprised Moxie got that win, and then Danielson went right after Moxie after the match. And they were beating up each other, security and referees coming out. But out of nowhere, who comes down the aisle? William Regal. The former general manager of NXT and a fucking wrestling legend who both who trained both John Moxie and Brian Danielson. Here comes William Regal and he's getting them both to calm down. He's trying to get them both to calm down. Moxie tries to go after Brian Danielson. Regal stops him, smacks him. 
and he headbutts him, gets blood on his head right there. And Danielson's laughing. Regal smacks him. And he says to both of them, I taught you better than that. Now shake hands. And he made them shake hands, and they did. They showed respect for each other. So I didn't think William Regal was going to come into AEW. I really didn't think he was. I know I did mention last week in the Dynamite review, like, okay, maybe William Regal comes in and runs Ring of Honor. Like, he could do that. I didn't think he was going to come in right here and get Moxley and Danielson to like, coexist, I guess you could say. So maybe Regal's going to be their manager if they actually are going to team. It seems like Moxley and Danielson are going to team up now. So maybe Regal's going to, maybe William Regal's going to be their manager. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm fine with that, with William Regal leading a faction. Like with his mind right here in the wrestling business, with his great mind in the wrestling business, that's huge for AEW. I know he's going to be huge behind the scenes as well. He's going to be big. And everybody's talking about it. A lot of people love it. And I do too. Now, two more matches right here. The next match, a Tornado Trios match. The HFO, Andrade El Idolo, Matt Hardy, and Isaiah Cassidy versus the TNT champion, Sammy Guevara. The icon, Sting, and Darby Allen. And I got to admit, though, I'm sure you suckers feel really stupid right now because everybody on Twitter was complaining, oh, this match belongs on Dynamite Rampage. This match is going to be bad for pay-per-view. It's going to suck. Wah, 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 wah. Everybody's just complaining. I'm like, oh my god, let's just enjoy this match right here. Like, what are you guys complaining about? We're gonna see Sting wrestle on pay-per-view again. So stop fucking complaining. And everybody's praising it on Twitter. Oh my god, that match was so good. Oh my god, why was I complaining? Well, people, they weren't saying why was I complaining. I'm sure deep down they're like, oh my god, I shouldn't have complained. Yeah, you shouldn't have, Mark. The match was great. The match was great. It was crazy. All the spots they were doing in this match right here. So Mark Quinn and Isaiah Cassidy do a silly string outside the ring right there to Sammy Guevara. Fucking Darby Allen launched at Jose the assistant right here. He had a garbage can on his head. And he launched right at him and took him out of the mix. We saw Isaiah Cassidy and Sammy Guevara do a fucking Spanish fly from the top of the stage right there onto a table. Insane. Insane. And fucking Andrade going after Darby. And we did see um, the Butcher and the Blade come out and help. Try to help Andrade and Matt going after Darby. And Stinker Sammy was already doing his own thing with Isaiah. After took out Mark with a super kick. And then there's the Spanish fly from the top of the stage. Which was fucking insane. But here's the most insane part of this match. They were fighting the crowd. Matt Hardy and Sting. They were fighting the crowd. Darby Allen and Andrade El Idolo were fighting on top of the tables, right near the top of the tables, right there, the, the Butcher and the Blade set up. And then Darby Allen was, out, he was able to take down Andrade, and Matt Hardy got distracted right there, and Sting was able to take him down. And then Sting jumps on top of the rail, on top of the rail right there, like right there on the other side of the arena. And he launches himself, I don't know how far this was up in the air, this is pretty high, and he lands right on Andrade, going through. What was it two tables he went through? I was like, holy shit, this man is 62 years old. And he just did that. And the whole crowd was saying, you still got it. Clap, 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 clap. It was pretty cringy that I said that. But um, it was crazy. 
This man is 62 years old and he just did that. Go back and watch it and say to yourself, you got to say to yourself, oh my God. Even if you want to be a hater and whatever, come on, you got to respect that. The guy is 62 years old doing that. You'll probably people saying, oh, he shouldn't have done that. That was a thief. Well, I'm sure that was his call to do it. Uh, who knows if it was even planned? We don't know. But God bless Sting for doing that move right there. Darby was even shocked. The referee Rick Knox was even shocked. Like, I was shocked. Everybody I'm sure that was watching was shocked. Everybody in the arena had to be shocked. I would be too. That was crazy. And then Darby, Matt Hardy go back at it. Go back at it. Inside the ring. Darby Allen hit a scorpion death drop on a chair to Matt Hardy. Then he hit the coffin drop. One, two, three. Darby Allen, Sammy Guevara, and Sting get the win. Insane match. Fucking crazy. Just straight up fucking crazy. And I loved it. And again, God bless Sting for doing that move. Or for just doing that spot. That was insane. If I see anybody talking shit about it, I'm just going to be like, seriously... This guy at 62 years old just did that. You gotta give him respect. He's gonna be 63 this month. Give the guy some fucking respect. Jesus Christ. Everybody thought Sting's running AEW was gonna be... Eh, it's been fucking great. I mean, oh my God. But now we do get to the main event of the evening for the AEW World Heavyweight title. Hangman and Page defending his AEW World Heavyweight title against Adam Cole, baby. And for all the stupid fanboys, or Adam Cole's run at AEW has been stupid. There have been parts where they've been stupid, like, you know, with uh, Orange Cassidy and the best friend. That's about it. That's the only stupid part of his run. But he got to main event a pay-per-view. He just made an event against Hangman. They put on a hell of a match. There was so much action in this main event. The crowd was hot. Usually, you know, for main events, crowds can be dead. They're the main events. It's a long show. It's like, oh, here it is now. The crowd was well and alive in this match. These two did really good. It was non-stop action. There wasn't like any second in this match where there wasn't any action, it felt like. They just kept going back at each other. They know they know each other so well. It wasn't like, I'm going to take my time. Like No, they were going 100 miles per hour at each other. They weren't taking no breaks. They were just beating the hell out of each other. And Hangman had most of the control in this match to begin with. At the start of the match, he had most of the control. Which usually we don't see out of the baby faces. Usually it's mostly like the heels that always have the control at the beginning. Not this time. Hangman had most of the control in this match. And you know, he's got redemption right there. He's got revenge in his eyes for what Adam Cole and Red Dragon did to him back on Dynamite. Absolutely. But they were just beating the fuck out of each other. Non-stop action in this match right here. And it was really good. A lot of super kicks here as well. I even seeing Hangman do a few super kicks on Adam Cole, which is pretty cool. You know, eventually towards the end of this match, or like, you know, like mid-match, right, we saw Red Dragon come back out. And they distracted Hangman. He was going to go for the buckshot Larry. Adam Cole took out with a super kick. And then hit a Panama Sunrise from the ring apron to the floor. What the fuck? Like, holy shit. And then he did another one inside the ring. And then he hit him with a boom drop. I thought that was it. But Hangman stayed alive. And then Adam Cole was going to go for a second boom drop. But, hang, uh, but Hangman, um, he put his head down to avoid it. That's the best way he could do it. 
And Apple said to Red Dragon, go grab a table. And they grabbed the table from ringside right there and set it up. And they were telling Adam Cole, finish him off. He was going to go for, I think it was going to be like Panama Sunrise through the table. But Hangman Karen hit a dead eye through the table. A dead eye through the table. Completely takes out Adam Cole right there. And the whole Dark Order comes out. They're coming to check on Hangman. Hangman doesn't really want any help. He kind of pushes Alex Reynolds out of the way into Red Dragon. The whole Dark Order goes after Red Dragon and it becomes a one-on-one match again. But now this was sweet revenge for Hangman and Page. He gets Adam Cole back in the ring. He was going to go for another Buckshot Lariat. He was, trying to hit, he was able to hit it this time. He actually hit the Buckshot Lariat this time. It looked like Adam Cole was done, but he was too close to the rope because Hangman went for the pin. One, two, Cole put his foot, he put his foot on the rope. So that wasn't, wasn't enough. But then Hangman takes off his belt. And he ties Hangman... Himself. <laughs> he ties Adam Cole's hand to the rope. So he can't escape. And then he's super kicking Adam Cole. like he did to him back on Dynamite. And then he's going to go for another buckshot lariat. But then Adam Cole hits him with a super kick. He's able to untie himself. They're going back at it. Hangman takes him down... He lowers his leg right there, or lowers his pad, and he hits a boom drop on Adam Cole, and then a buckshot lariat, one, two, three, out of here, Adam Cole. Hangman Adam Page retains the AEW World Heavyweight title. What a fucking show. Just what a fucking show, guys. Amazing. I love it from start to finish. Hangman's still world champion, right? We didn't see, didn't see any title changes. Didn't see any title changes. Very surprisingly, we didn't see, you know, Thunder Rosa win back, or not win back, win the world title, women's world title. But that might all change pretty soon. Because upcoming on Dynamite right here, this upcoming Dynamite, we have Sammy Guevara versus Scorpio Sky for the TNT Championship. And, of course, the winner will face Wardlow at St. Patrick's Day Slam. And we have legit Layla Hurst versus Thunder Rosa in an AEW Women's World Title Eliminator. So whoever wins this match becomes the number one contender. And they will face Dr. Britt Baker for the AEW World Title, AEW Women's World Title at St. Patrick's Day Slam. So Thunder Rosa does have a huge chance of redemption at St. Patrick's Day Slam. It is in San Antonio. That's where she's from. So it, it does make sense. Okay, she can get the hometown victory become Women's World Champion. So you know what? Fine. That's fine. But that's it, guys. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day right here. I hope you guys enjoyed AEW Revolution. It was fucking awesome start to finish. Just a banger after banger after banger. Fucking loved it. Looking forward to Dynamite. I do think Sammy's going to retain the TNT title. And, of course, I think Thunder Rosa will get another world title shot at uh, St. Patrick's Day Slam. I think her and Hirsch will put on a, a decent match. And hopefully at St. Patrick's Day Slam we'll get to see Thunder Rosa win. I think we will. But all right, guys. I hope you guys, again, enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy this episode. The next time we'll talk to you guys will be on Thursday to review AEW Dynamite. Love you guys. You guys are the best. Enjoy this episode. Enjoy the rest of your day. Talk to you guys on Thursday.